0: It is my distinct privilege and pleasure today to welcome our special guest, our pastoral candidates, Pastor Elliot and his lovely wife, Beth. Pastor Elliot is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, with a master's degree in pastoral ministries. Pastor Elliot has pastored and ministered to churches in Canada, and is presently pastoring a Bible church in Pennsylvania. I am going to invite both Pastor and Sister Elliot to come to the platform, Pastor Elliot will have a few introductory words, and then his wife is going to bless us in ministry and song. So, you. You,
1: so this is the incredible body of Christ in NASA. <laughs> It is a delight to see your smiling faces and to worship you. The music was excellent. Thank you, uh, Praise Team and Sunbeams. That was outstanding. And I think Beth and I have already concluded that it is better in the Bahamas. (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks to the pastors of the church, the deacons, uh, the search committee, the Whirls who are hosting us so beautifully, and to all of you for having the Elliotts these days. We are pleased and grateful to be here. Uh, we want to be good guests, and I, I don't want to get the reputation of this particular pastor that was invited by some members of the congregation to Sunday lunch, and the, the mom of the family had her daughter set the table, and dad gave grace for the food, and they began to eat, and all of a sudden they noticed after a few seconds that the pastor wasn't eating, and the father turned to said, pastors, there's something wrong. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I hate to mention it, but I don't seem to have any cutlery. And so the mother turns to the daughter who was to set the table and kind of scolded her for not putting out cutlery. And then she said to her mother, well, you told me it's like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to get the kind of a uh, reputation here this week. <laughs> I'd, love us, I'd love for us to look to our Lord Jesus Christ as uh, Beth sings of him. Listen to the words. Thank you, Beth. There is a Savior. Trust you know him. Trust you trust him. We're going to pray before we open God's word, and I invite you to kneel with me if you're able from where you are. Holy and loving God, assist us to hear from you. Hide me and reveal Christ. Christ. Holy Spirit of God, please apply God's word to the children of God in order to make them more like the Son of God. Show us, please, in these minutes in the word, the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Show us that victory in the Christian life is not for the select few, but that victory of the Christian life is really the normal Christian life. Lord, may each of us leave the church building today, understanding your victory for us and actually living out your victory each day. Father God, we dare to ask these things of you because of your amazing grace toward us as your adopted children. We pray in Christ's strong name and God's people said, amen. There's a woman I'll call her the initial K. She is born again. She is married with delightful younger children. She was active in our Awana program as a leader. She once was a memorizer of scripture. And she is a daughter of fine missionaries who were supported financially and prayerfully by our local church. And there was a man, I'll call him the initial P., P is born again. He is married with older children. P was our wanted commander, was also a memorizer of scripture. And P was a deacon in our local church. K and P fell into the sin of adultery. They were caught. They were warned. They repeated the sin. They were warned they repeated the sin and then began to rationalizing the sin i asked them as they were leaving our church what are you going to do and they told me we're going to find a church that doesn't take the bible seriously this is a very very sad example of defeated christian living Because initial K and initial P are saved, but they tolerated, and then they came to even enjoy and defend what they knew to be sin. First they did it secretly, but eventually they did it openly, and K and P settled for defeated Christian living, and they just simply planned to pack up their defeated Christian lives and move to a defeated Christian church. Turn your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Thank you, brother. Victorious Christian living is our topic this morning. How do we live victoriously in Christ? What's involved? Does the Bible tell us? Verses 1 to 14 of Romans 6 do tell us, and they tell us a four-step progression. I hope that you will take this progression with you after I've taught it to you this morning. Dead, alive, reckon, present. Say it with me. Dead, alive, reckon, present. Again, dead, alive, reckon, present. I want that to burn into your minds. Key concept is this dead and being alive and reckoning and being one who presents. And what is at the heart of being dead and of being alive and of reckoning and of presenting yourself to Jesus Christ is the whole notion of being in Christ. If you are saved, if you are born again, if you are redeemed, you are in Christ. There is a river, a mighty river in South America, the Amazon River, that flows into the ocean. The Amazon River is as wide as 13 miles in some of its places. It's a massive river. And the fresh water of the Amazon River spills into the ocean, and I am told that as far as 100 miles north of South America, the ocean is fresh water. What some Christians are like is the persons who were in a little dinghy as the bigger ship went down in that ocean north of South America, and they were dehydrating in the sun. And in desperation, they thought they would suicide by drinking salt water from the sea. But when they cupped their hands outside their dinghy, it was fresh water. And they drank and they survived. There are many believers in the Church of Jesus Christ who are in Christ, but they live as though they're not. Maybe they don't know that they're in Christ, or maybe they do know they're in Christ, but they've forgotten. In Christ is a huge part of being dead, being alive, in reckoning, and in presenting. If you look at me at the text in verse 11, in Christ is mentioned, Romans 6, 11, Romans 6, verse 3 is into Christ. Verses 4, 5, 6, and 8 say with him, that is Christ. Verse 8 says with Christ. So in this sanctification passage that tells us how to live victoriously, the concept of being if, in, or with Christ is huge. Let's unpack this a little further. I have my Bible here and I have a 3x5 index card. If I place this 3 by 5 index card into my Bible, then whatever happens to my Bible happens to the 3 by 5 index card. If I mail my Bible to Miami, the index card goes to Miami. You are in Christ if you're saved. And everything that has happened to Jesus Christ has happened to you because you are in Christ. And that's why victorious Christian living is so intrinsically linked to knowing that you're in Christ, knowing that in Christ you are dead in an aspect, knowing in Christ you are alive in an aspect, knowing in Christ you are to reckon something to be true, and knowing because you're in Christ you're to present yourself consciously, intentionally to God. Back to initial K and initial P of my first story. Basically, they were abusing God's grace. They were holding on to adultery because they figured they could get away with it. They figured they could explain it. They figured they'd find a weak church that would accept it. What ugly assumptions. But maybe some of us here today are living with some of our little pet sins, thinking somehow they're cute or acceptable. Perhaps some of us are rocking our little pet sins, whether they be hidden or open, in our arms and sweet talking to them and feeding them and changing their diapers and even showing off our pet sins, looking for attention or compliments. All that time, we could be believing it will be all right with God to have these little pet sins that we refuse to confess and to repent of there was a church at Rome that was struggling with pet sins. And in verse 1 of chapter 6, we read this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace might increase? They were thinking in Rome, apparently, that if we sin and God's grace is greater than our sin, that if we sin greater, then God's grace will more greatly be displayed. And the response to that thinking... Verse two, may it never be. That's the strongest negative in the Greek language. May it never be. It would be like your kids coming to you this afternoon and asking for you to give them all of the college money that's been saved for their college education so they could spend it at Atlantis. You would say, God forbid! We are not to sin Knowingly, increasingly thinking that God's grace will abound the more, God says to that notion, God forbid. Now look at uh, verse 2b, would you? After may it never be. It says, How shall we who died to sin still live in it? I want you to see three things quickly in that one verse. Number one, it is sin singular, it is not sins plural. The idea here is something called sin singular. Is the root of all sins, plural? Cassava. I'm being introduced to cassava. Cassava, as you know better than me, is a root that you eat, a white root with many branches underground. And then it has green foliage above the ground. I'm told it can get two to three feet high. That's amazing. What we're seeing here is that sin singular is the root of all sins. Just like the white cassava root is the source of life of the green above the ground that we see and we don't see the root, we see our own sins, we see other people's sins like the green foliage above the ground. But what causes all of our sinning is the root below the ground, the law of sin and death. If you just flip to 725, I'll show you that. It's okay, I don't need it. 725... Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord so that on the one hand I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. This singular sin is a principle. It's a law that pulls us down into sinning like gravity pulls you down into your pews right now. So the first thing to see in verse 2 is the concept that sin is singular. It's the root of all sins, plural. Number two, the condition of being dead is the condition of being separate and unresponsive. The third thing I see in verse 2 is the condition of being alive is the condition of being united and responsive. That makes sense. If death is separation, then life is being connected. If death is being unresponsive, then life is being responsive, Next, we want to look at verses 3 to 7 of chapter 6. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, so that your body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin." If you were write in your Bibles, and I'm not sure that you all do, but if you were to write in your Bibles, I would circle every time the word sin appears to note that it is singular. It's the cassava root, not the cassava green. It's the root of sins that's being talked about here. My father and grandfather were funeral directors. And they laid out the bodies of hundreds of alcoholics in their caskets. It's curious. If my dad were to have put a bottle of rum on the casket lid of an alcoholic, the corpse wouldn't move a half inch. And yet, when the alcoholic was alive, he couldn't say no to that rum. That was the problem. What made all the difference is that the alcoholic died, he was dead. And as a dead man, he was unresponsive and separated from the bottle of rum. The truth we're learning is that when we see victorious Christian living, we must start to understand that in Christ, the old us is dead. Separated from the law of sin and death. Free to do what God wants and not bound to sin. So, Victoria Christian living, say it with me, starts with dead. What next? Alive. What next? Reckon. What next? Present. Faster. Dead. Alive. Reckon. Present, good, good. Glad to hear you tracking with me. It's all because we're in Christ, that we're dead, alive, that we can reckon, and that we could present. So if you're born again, if you're saved, if you're converted, then you have died with Christ. You have died to the law of sin and death. You do not have to respond to it. You are separated from it. And this is key to understanding our victory in Christ. Another way to look at that is, watch my hands, if this is Jesus Christ and this is you, the moment you trusted him to be your savior, the spirit of God placed you into Christ in union so that everything Jesus Christ experienced, you have experienced. Jesus Christ was crucified. The old you was crucified. Jesus Christ was buried. The old you was buried. Jesus Christ was resurrected to newness of life. You have been resurrected to newness of life if you are in Christ. Now, it could be at this point that some of you are thinking, yeah, okay, Pastor Elliot, that, I understand what you're saying, but I just can't see myself that way. I can't see myself as being dead. I mean, that's really, really tough for me. Well, all I would say is see it with the eyes of faith. Wouldn't you want to see yourself the way God sees you? Dead to the law of sin and death? Wouldn't it make good sense to choose to see yourself as being dead? Donald Gray Barnhouse pastor. 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for many years. and He tells a story of a couple that came under the sound of the gospel at 10th Presbyterian in Philly and were born again. They trusted Jesus, and they were made new. They were forgiven. Uh, They were put into God's family. And they got an invitation from their friends that threw wild parties that they used to go to. And the invitation came to them, and they told Pastor Barnhouse that we got this invitation to this wild party. And Dr. Barnhouse said, what did you do? We we wrote a uh, reply that said, Claire and I cannot attend on the 15th because we're both dead. That's it. That's it. So to review the Christian life is the victorious Christian life. It isn't just special Christians that are victorious or to be victorious. It's all believers. All the born again are to be victorious. And it starts with dead, moves to alive, moves to reckoning, and moves to presenting. And this all because we're in Christ. Galatians 2.20 is very key to understanding this. I'll read it to you. I have been crucified with Christ. Wait a minute, Paul, you were still alive when you wrote to the Galatians. He says, no, I have been, past tense, crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He understood it, that he was dead in Christ, he was alive in Christ, that he reckoned it to be so, and that he presented himself as such to God. Now, before I move on, Let me get a little personal. I'm a guest here, so I just feel liberty in the Holy Spirit to get a little personal. What exactly do you need to see yourself as being dead to? Lying? Gossiping? Lusting? Sweethearting? What is it that you and I are to be dead to? We move from the concept of recognizing our death in Christ to seeing our life in Christ, verses 8 to 11. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, singular, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so... Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. These verses are saying it's a package deal. We can't say, yes, I recognize I'm dead to sin in Christ, but then say, but really, I'm not alive to God in Christ. It's, it's both and. If you're saved, you are both dead to sin in Christ and you are alive to righteousness and God in Christ. It's both and. It's never either or. And so again, I'm I'm driving it home, I know, but I want to, that the victorious Christian life is the progression from dead to alive to reckoning to presenting. And now we've moved from understanding our deadness, being united with Christ, to understanding our aliveness because we're in Christ. When we recognize that the old Rob Elliott died with Christ, and I believe it, then the only life that Rob Elliot has to live is Christ's life. My life is dead. The only life option I have if I recognize properly that I'm dead with Christ is my life in Christ and Christ as my life. Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior, and my life. Can you say that? Jesus Christ is my Lord, my Savior, and my life. And so this victorious Christian living is considering both death and Life, It's saying that we have died with Christ, that's completed, and it says that we are currently living in Christ, that's ongoing. And verse 11, look at verse 11. It's a key verse in all of this. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This gives us the reckoning part. Dead, alive, verse 11, reckoning. The idea here is... That consider is an accounting term, a business term. Some of you are in business. It was a term that meant count it, reckon it, enter it into the ledger as that. And this is the first command of all the book of Romans. You can read from Romans 1.1 to Romans 6.10 and there's not one command. But the very first command in the whole book of Romans is 6.11. So it must be important. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. (laughs) I'm still scared to drive around here. (laughs) Paul and Denise are are sterling drivers, but I'm terrified. We'll be talking to each other in the car, and they'll come to an intersection, and I'll look up, and everything's in the wrong place (laughs) to me but I have to reckon, I have to count, I have to consider that driving on the left side of the road is the way it is here. Similarly, as believers, we have to consider, reckon, count on the fact that we are dead in Christ, we've been made alive in Christ, and we're just going to count that to be the the truth. We're going to live believing that's the truth. This is key to living victoriously in Christ. Now, We are to reckon, to remember, and to believe that we are dead to sin, detached from sin, unresponsive to sin, like the dead alcoholic to the rum. But equally, we are to reckon and to remember and to believe that we've been made alive to God, united with the Holy Spirit. We're responsive to the Holy Spirit who is inside of us. That's the other side of this coin. How do we do that? How do we reckon ourselves to be alive to God, responsive to God? Well, we have to be in this book. And not just on Sunday Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings. We have to be in this book daily. And as we're in this book, the Lord will speak to us, not in an audible voice, perhaps, but on our hearts. If you're not reading God's Word daily, let me help you. You pick a New Testament book, any book you want. And tomorrow morning, you read... From the beginning of that test, that book in the New Testament, and you stop when you don't understand something or when something hits you. Stop. Pray about it. Maybe write a few notes about it. The next day, pick up from where you left off, read until something hits you, or you have a question, and then stop again. That's a way to start reading God's word. A way of showing God and showing yourself that you're alive and responsive to God through his word. And so this first command of verse 11 is huge. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So Christian victorious living is dead, alive, reckon, and present, all because we're in Christ. Verses 12 and 13 are next. Therefore, do not let sin, see it singular, the cassava root, cassava root. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts, And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin, singular, as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In these two verses, we see something called members or instruments. It's mentioned twice. In one case, we are told that we are not to present or we should stop presenting our members or our instruments to sin, singular, the law of sin and death, the cassava root below the ground that is the root of all sins. We're not to present our members or instruments to that. But in contrast, we are to present our members or our instruments to God in righteousness. What does that look like? I'm not the best handyman. But that's an understatement. <laughs> I'm not a good fixer of much. But I do have a toolbox. And in my toolbox, there's a hammer, there's some multi-headed screwdrivers, there's some pliers, and a vice grip. That's my collection. We could look at ourselves as a toolbox. We have ears to hear with, and eyes to see with, and a mouth to speak with, and a mind to think with, and feet to go with, and hands to help with. And these are all tools. And if we are going to present our members, our instruments to God for righteousness, we have to present these things to him daily. And what I would suggest is when you get up tomorrow morning, before you swing your feet out of bed and put them on the floor, that you tell the Lord you're presenting these things to him to be tools of righteousness. Your mind, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your feet. That's what's going on here. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. That's exciting victorious Christian living. You know the song, I'll be careful little eyes what you see. I'll be careful little ears what you hear. There's a father up above, and he's looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes and ears, what you do. That's what we're talking about. I'm dead. In Christ, I'm dead. But in Christ, I'm equally alive. And I reckon it, I count it to be so. The first command of the book of Romans is to reckon it to be so. So this concept of our toolbox life with our tools of our bodies being presented to God is the present piece of this four-piece puzzle. Dead, alive, present, or reckon, present. Dead, alive, reckon, present. So now we're on the last part of this four-piece puzzle, and it's all because we're in Christ that we understand we're dead to the law of sin and death. We're alive in the Holy Spirit to God to be be responsive to him. We reckon it to be so. We don't argue with the Bible. We say, that's who it is. That's how I am. That's what it means to be in Christ. And because I'm in Christ and alive in Christ, I'm going to present the tools of my body to God each day. And when I mess up, when I listen to something I shouldn't listen to, I just confess it as sin, knowing that he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins of the ears and to cleanse me from all righteousness. That's the victorious Christian life. Last verse, and I'm almost finished. For sin, again singular, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The summary verse for this, these key verses on being dead with Christ, alive with Christ, reckoning to be so, and presenting ourselves to God is verse 14. And it points out that sin, the cassava root, shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We had a very pleasant flight from Newark, New Jersey, to Nassau. It was a nonstop flight, which was a real treat for me and Beth. Usually we have connector flights, but not this time. And when we got into that United Airlines airplane, we sat down and we buckled up and we listened to the instructions, and not for one minute was I scared that the plane wouldn't get off the ground. Not for one minute did I give it a thought that gravity would hold the plane on the tarmac and it would never get airborne. Do you know why? Because the law of thermodynamics, or aerodynamics, excuse me, the law of aerodynamics supersedes the law of gravity. That's how we could fly. The law of aerodynamics, thrust, wing flaps, and all that, the law of aerodynamics overrules the law of gravity. That's what verse 4 is saying, that the grace of God toward you, whether you're a teenager in the balcony, a child in the choir, an adult who's married and raising children still at home, a widow, a widower, a senior citizen, someone who's listening to this message in the nursing home. The law of grace overrules the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. We can fly over the law of sin and death because the law of Moses was very useful. The Ten Commandments were wonderful. They reflect the character of God. They showed the nation of Israel they couldn't keep them. None of us can keep the Ten Commandments constantly. None of us. That was the point. They pointed out to the children of Israel who couldn't keep the Ten Commandments that they needed salvation. They needed God's mercy. The law... Is like the law of gravity that pulls the plane down, but the law of grace that overrides the law of gravity makes the airplane fly. And so we're going to see a little video clip here, but before you see it, I want you to think about what you learned today, dead, alive, reckon, and present as you watch this video. Fly the friendly skies of United.
2: Because I thought the sacrifice would be too great. When I finally reached the point of giving in, I found the cross was calling even then.
1: That's the way it is. Amen. 614, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The law says to me, run, rob, run, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. Yet better news God's gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Victorious Christian living is the normal Christian life. It requires knowing that we are in Christ because we are, knowing that we are dead, knowing that we are alive, reckoning it to be so, and presenting ourselves daily to the Lord. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. Lord, we've learned today about the victorious Christian life and how grateful we are that it's Jesus' life lived through us. Lord, help us to drop any pet sins like a poisonous snake. Help us to identify particular settings where we especially need to see ourselves as being dead and unresponsive. Please identify those settings that we especially need to see ourselves as being alive and responsive to God. Bring us to the place, Lord, of daily reckoning ourselves to be who you say that we are in Christ. As we get out of bed each morning, may we present the tools of our bodies to you. We ask this in Jesus' name,